Hello and welcome to Faithbrook Church. It is so good that we can worship together on site, online, and for those of you watching later, on demand as well. If we haven't had the chance to meet yet, my name is Mike Delgallo and I serve as a Connections Pastor here on staff. If you are a guest with us this week, maybe this is your very first time joining in, or maybe you've been joining with us for a few weeks. Either way, I am so thrilled that you have chosen to join in with us this week. In fact, I want to encourage you, for those of you who are on site, to reach in the seat back in front of you and grab one of these, a connection card. And take a few moments, fill this out, and at the end of the service, if you would be willing to drop it off into the offering box as you leave, that would be fantastic. You can also go to faithbrook.church forward slash guest. Now, whether you fill out a physical or digital connection card, two things are gonna happen. The first is I would love to follow up with you and thank you for taking time this week to join in with us. And two, on behalf of Faithbrook, we would love to make a $5 donation to one of our nonprofit ministry partners, Cross Food Shelf. This is just a great way that we can make an impact in local outreach with our community. So I look forward to connecting with you and making that donation on your behalf. Well, our vision here at Faithbrook is to be a church who lead people into a new and thriving life in Christ. Now, I want you to take just a moment and think about your own spiritual journey right now and imagine what would a thriving life in Christ look like for you. Now, I imagine it might look different for many of us, but I think something that is the same is a thriving life is one that has a relationship, a growing relationship with Jesus. But I think a stumbling block for a lot of us is not knowing where to start, where to begin, how do we begin to have this relationship with Christ? Well, I want to let you know that Faithbrook has an incredible resource for you to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus. And that resource is called Right Now Media. Right Now Media is sort of a Christian Netflix with over 20,000 different videos and teachings on how to grow in your relationship with Christ. It's not only for you, but for your family as well. And the best thing about Right Now Media is that it goes wherever you are, whether that be your web, whether it be on your smart TV, or even on your mobile device as well. So if you're sitting there and you're wanting to take that next step to continue and strengthen your relationship with Christ, you can begin right now. And the best way to do so is through the Church Center app. You can download the app through your app store and it takes just a few steps to set up. And when you do, you open it up and go down to the bottom right and click on more. And then you can click on Right Now Media to get started. And this is a great resource again to help you and your family grow and have a thriving life in Christ. In fact, over 200 people here at Faithbrook have been impacted and have seen great strides in their relationship and growing in Jesus. And I can't wait to see how it impacts your life as well. Well, today we are continuing our series called Dangerous Prayers. So let's welcome our lead pastor, Jim Comfort. Well, good morning. Do you have a pet peeve? Does something rile you up? Uh, maybe it just drives you nuts when maybe you're in a stadium and there's some obnoxious person yelling in your ear or spilling beer or something like that. And you're like, well, you someone just tell him to sit down and be quiet. And for me, one of my pet peeves is people who litter. People who just throw stuff out of their car and trash up the neighborhood. I have this fantasy that one day I'm going to be brave enough to pick up their trash, go over to the car, knock on the window and say, excuse me, uh, did you happen to uh, dro drop this out of your vehicle? So maybe there's something that bothers you even greater, maybe even deeper. You know, there's people out there that really uh, are fired up about the environment, and they want to write letters, they want to protest, say, we got to do something about climate change and the needs. Other people are like, 
Hey, I, I want to talk about race relationships. Uh, we need to do better with our race relationships. Maybe you've been motivated to say, I'm, I'm sending out an email to my politician. I'm, I'm going to make a phone call or something like that. What, what, what do you think that really just lifts you up to say, I want to do something about this? Well, welcome to our Dangerous Prayers ser- series, and welcome to Faith Brook. I'm Pastor Jim. Thanks for viewing us online. Maybe you're staying at home today or you're traveling and, and a lot of people are watching us. And thank you for being our guest and our attendees today. You know, this Dangerous Prayer series is kind of inspired by different Bible characters, figures who are willing to say these prayers that transform them and also transformed our world and their surroundings. Now, last week we introduced the idea and figured out that a lot of times we don't like saying dangerous prayers. Uh, we rather say safe prayers. <clears throat> safe prayers are much more predictable. <clears throat> they are kind of easier. We're, you know, they're pretty kind of, Lord, uh, would you please uh, uh, t- uh, heal me, uh, help me get this promotion, and help me have a good day. We kind of know this is what we're looking for. If that comes through, that'd be great. But when we go into the territory of danger, we're like, uh-oh, we're not sure what God's going to say. We're not sure what God's going to reveal. We're not sure how he's going to direct us. And so we just kind of back off. And frankly, dangerous prayers make us a little nervous. We don't like being uncomfortable. We don't like taking risks, and we'd rather not. However, I would suggest to you that if we're willing to say these prayers, these dangerous prayers, God would do something amazing in us and through us. Now, last week, we uh, focused on David's prayer out of Psalms 139 that was like, God, search me. Now, that's dangerous right there. We say, God, will you look into my life? Will you look in my heart? Will you look and see if there's any anxious thoughts? And especially if there's any offenses or grievances against you and me, uh, we need to go there. And that can be dangerous, but God can do some healing and, and some uh, uh, great things. We, we found out we either can hide from God or we can let God help us self-discover. Is there things, things in our heart, in our spirit, God, that we need to be made right for you? For you? And before you know it, God can heal us. God can forgive us and bring wholeness into our life, and into our soul. Now, this morning, we're going to ratchet it up a little bit. We're going a little bit more dangerous, and that is with the prayer of send me. Send me. Do you know anybody that feels like they they have a call in their life or they answered a a call in their life? I think a lot of times teachers uh, kind of have a call in their life. I think a lot of times teachers like, you know, I remember teachers impacted me. And so I'd like to go in that profession and see if I can help other students. I think a lot of times there's people in the medical field that they just say, hey, I'm willing to get in there. <clears throat> Sometimes it's, it's, it's um, scary or technical, but I'm, I'm willing to help with people's physical needs. I, I think about uh, foster care families. Hey, we'll take on these kids that without families help. Uh, even as we speak today, there's a family, the all families are help, they're helping with our kids, put together uh, Operation Christmas Child shoe boxes. Um, Greg tells me that Marianne all year <clears throat> um, collects supplies, all year, has a special room in her house so they can provide these little uh, Christmas gifts for kids around the world. So what is it for you? Have you ever heard of someone say, I, I want to use my life and change the world? I want, to, I want to make the world better? A good example of someone that might say, send me, 
I'm willing to step up is our veterans. We kind of recognized them last Thursday. Uh, veterans, uh, our soldiers, our militaries, they do a great thing. And one of the branches of our military is the Marines. <clears throat> These are the guys that are ready to go into combat at, at any time. One of the mottos for the Marines is we run to the chaos. We're the guys to run to the chaos. We will put ourselves in immediate harm's way with courage and bravery. Wow. What, what, what does it take for a person like that? Now, there's a person in the Old Testament uh, that eventually would answer and say that prayer, God, send me. His name was uh, I, um, Isaiah. And at one time, Isaiah was just an, a normal person. He was a Jewish young man working in the the palace in Jerusalem, his nation was uh, in decline. They were divided. They didn't like each other. But what was really happening is they kind of lost their first love for their God. They were not putting him first. They were, they were doing, uh, watching other gods and following them. And, and he knew that things were not good in the land, not in their, their cities and not in their, their nation. Now, if you hear that word Isaiah, you're like, well, I know that guy. I think I've heard that guy. If you know uh, something about the Bible and the Old Testament, you're like, he was a major guy, right? Wasn't he a heavyweight like the prophets, like big time prophet? Yes, he was. In fact, he wrote one of the largest books in the Old Testament uh, of Isaiah. He is prophetic. He's the one that just really talked loudly to the people. He was the one that even prophesies about the coming Christ, the Christ child, all the way back in his books. And 2,500 years later, we're speaking about Isaiah and his impact. Well, how did he get there? Uh, where did he uh, rise up? Well, he said that's dangerous prayer in chapter 6 of Isaiah. And you're welcome to uh, turn in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 6, or you can just read with me on the screens here about his story and how God changed his life and how he said that prayer, send me. Well, it reads like this. In the year that King Uzziah died, I was one of their kings, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him was seraphim, each with six wings, with two wings, they covered the faces. With two, they covered their feet. And with two, they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. Something was amazing happening in this moment with Isaiah. At the sound of their voices, the doorpost and the thresholds shook. And the temple was filled with this smoke, this, this, this awe. Isaiah found himself in a very holy moment that the Spirit of God was reigning in this area where he was in, and he knew that he was in the presence of the divine, the magnificent, and these angels, these seraphims. And immediately he's like, woe to me. I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips and live among people unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. I'm, I'm in trouble. I know what I've said. I know what's come out of my mouth. And I know my, my colleagues, and they're not saying good things. They, I, I'm, I'm not right. I'm a sinner. And now I'm in the presence of this holy God, and he's, he's being crushed. He's being broken. Woe to me. Then one of the seraphims, this angel-like creature, flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken from the tongs from the altar. 
With it, he touched my mouth and said, see, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. He experienced God's amazing grace. For some reason, this holy, magnificent God would be willing to forgive and redeem and restore and touch this guy named Isaiah. And this cold touched his lips. Maybe, maybe it was the depth of his sin, what he said and what spewed out of his mouth. And that, God started healing his life. And it says he atoned for his sins. The word atonement means to cover. That God can atone and cover our sins. It's like deleting our sins. And whatever Isaiah did or said, God just forgave him and started him over again. And the next thing we see, it says, Then he heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? God's heart was broken. He saw his people drifting away from him. His people didn't care. They're just caring about themselves. And, and now this great nation that was the pride of the land at one time was just breaking down and hurting each other. And eventually they would be taken over. And he needed someone to step up. He needed a voice. He needed a preacher. He needed someone to <clears throat> confront the, the citizens of that time. Who would answer that call? Who would run to the chaos? Who would take the risk? And there was Isaiah, <clears throat> broken and willing. And then he said, here I am, send me. Send me. That was the dangerous prayer. I am willing. And eventually, Isaiah would rise up, and he would write this epic 66 books that would be transformational. And people would read it and be convicted and changed and bring hope. And there's incredible promises and just depth of what Isaiah was used by God to write. It was incredible. What a man. What a prayer. Would we do something like that? And, and why don't we do something like that? Why don't we pray that prayer? God, send me. Can I give you a couple of suggestions why I think we don't say that dangerous prayer, send me? A lot of times we are not qualified. Um, what I mean by that is, is a lot of times we know spiritually we're just not right with God. So why would God send us? You know, Isaiah needed to be right with God. And he had to have a holy encounter with God to just to, to do business with God and say, I, I, I'm wrong. I need to be forgiven. I need your love to come and, and, and cleanse me and purify me and, and get right. And a lot of times that's what it takes. Secondly, I think there are a lot of times that we don't feel completely qualified, right? We don't feel qualified. Who am I, right? If God would call me and tell me to go preach or lead or help, you know, I don't know the Bible. I, I don't have the maturity. I don't have the, the knowledge. I, I remember when, when uh, I was growing up in, in the church and people would talk about going to the ministry, being a preacher and getting on the platform, you know, that I just like, no way. That didn't, that didn't even cross my mind because I, I I don't have that kind of gifting out of that maturity. Surely I'm not that smart. I'll never be a preacher. Don't look at me, right? I'm not qualified. However, if we're willing to say that prayer, God can qualify the call. 
Henry Blackaby says, the reality is that the Lord never calls a qualified. Hey, guess what? If you read the Bible, never did God say, okay, I'm looking at the most perfect, really polished, put together, holy person. You're going to be my, follow, my preacher and my example. Guess what? In the Bible, he's like taking lower class people. People fumbled around. People wasn't good. I mean, some, we was just talking after church. Like he, he, he like picked Paul, right? He, he used to be Saul and he was an idiot. He was a jerk. He was uh, uh, bad to God, right? And God's like, I'm picking you, right? And then God qualifies the call. If you're willing to say that prayer, amazing things can happen in you and through you. I, I really like what Erwin McManus says. It's amazing where God will take you when you are willing to follow. It's amazing what God would do in your life if you're willing to answer or say that prayer. And life is full of surprises when we choose mystery over security. We choose mystery over security. I would probably change the word for mystery to courage. If we're willing to have the courage over security, God can do some amazing things. Now, secondly, I think a lot of times people don't want to say that prayer because there's just too many risks and too many complications. And if we really open up our life and say, God, here am I, send me wherever that is, Oh, my goodness, he might send you to the mission field, right? He's going to send me to Africa. I don't know anybody in Africa, and there's too many bugs and, 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 and food. I don't want to go there, right? Or maybe he's going to send me to the inner city or send me to some place that makes me totally uncomfortable, and so I'm not praying that, that prayer, right? Hey, he might send me to be a, a, a pastor or, you know, a minister, and, and I don't want to do that, right? Have you seen what those guys make? They don't make that much money. Are you kidding me? No way, right? I'm not going there, right? Ah, but could it be, it's not just getting on a platform and having some kind of title. Could it be if we're willing to say, God, here I am, send me. God could say, hey, could you just volunteer once a month at at the church? Because there's coming in people every week. A church like us is carrying a lot of loads, right? There's stuff happening behind closed doors. There's happening stuff happening in their family. And they just need someone to love them, to open the door and greet them. Someone to take their kids and say, man, I'm willing to teach your kids. I'll, I'll help, uh, help uh, your kids have the best hour of the week. Maybe there's someone to say, yeah, I'll help uh, move the slides and help with the technical part. I'll show up during the week and fix something, clean something, work around. Wherever you need, I'm, I'm here. It could be just as small as that. Yeah, but Jim, that, that might take some sacrifice, like my time, and time is precious. I'm a busy person. We got things going. So a lot of times we don't say that prayer. Not, not me, God. I, I, I don't, I'm not going there, right? And you never know if God says, hey, if you pray, God, send me. God might say, well, I need you to send your money. And you're like, ah, not my money, right? Ah, I don't want to give my time or my money. There's too much sacrifice. Some people say, well, if you, if you step up and say that prayer, things could get difficult. Because a lot of times when you try to help people, they let you down, they don't show up, and there's just not enough resources. It can be very difficult. Yeah, it's true, my friends. It can be difficult. It it is true that many times there is a cost. There is a risk. There are difficulties. I I remember that. You might say, I I was one of those foolish young men in my mid-20s that said that prayer. God, here I am. Send me. And I remember what started happening. The next thing I know, I'm in front of my parents saying, we, my wife and I feel like God is calling us to go to the South Texas. 
And my parents were like, what? It broke their heart. We wanted you to around here. And we said, like, we got to answer the call. We don't hardly know anyone in South Texas. We've never been there, but we're willing to take the risk. And we're willing to go for over 30 years. We've been tra- traversing in different states and different areas. Just say, God, here I am. Send me. Has it always been easy? Not at all. Has there been costs and difficulties and strains and stress? Absolutely. But here's the deal, my friends. As John Maxwell said, everything worthwhile is uphill. Everything worthwhile is is moving uh, things forward. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be hard. And God calls us to have some courage and have some faith. But that's when God can move in your life. And yes, most of the time, it takes a spiritual encounter like God with God like Isaiah had. Because most of the time, our flesh, our human nature is not ready to sign up and say, here I am, send me, right? Let me do the risky. Let me do the costly. Let me maybe be your voice wherever I can. Most of the time, we're not going to do that. And then God has to come to us, and we have to break and be open and say, God, I'm willing to surrender and go all in for you, just like Isaiah. And when Isaiah said that, he, when that happened to him, he prayed that prayer. Here I am. Send me. Now, I would be wrong if I did not share. There are some rewards for if you're willing to say that dangerous prayer, send me. In fact, I would say one of the biggest rewards is there's, a, there's an incredible satisfaction and fulfillment when you start lining up to, to add blessings and give value and especially lining up with God. Because see, here, here's what you might not know, that God created you, he believes in you, he sees you, and he wired you uh, to be a blessing to this world. Our world is broken, our world is hurting, and he is looking for people. And he says, yeah, before you were even born, I wired you to have all kinds of talent. I wired you to have experiences and giftedness, man, I want you to use it and go be a blessing. So when we, when we engage in that, we're like, hey, that, that feels pretty good. I, I just serve someone. I just help someone. And why does it feel so good? God's like, because you're a spiritual being. I created you like me. And so when we love people and help people, care for people, we're like, hey, that, that, that feels pretty good, even though it can be tough. You know, I remember maybe 18 years ago, uh, a pastor out in California, Rick Rohn, he, he wrote this book called The Purpose Driven Life. And ever since he wrote that book, it was the most popular book ever in Christian history, besides the Bible. Uh, Over 50 million copies have been sold of the purpose-driven life, 85 different languages. Why? Why is it so popular? In fact, if you open up the, the book, the first line in the book, it says, life is not about you. Life is not about you. And when, when it clicks with you and say, oh, life is not about me, it's about God and about others, and, and serving before you know it, man, we're like, hey, I'm feeling pretty good. I, I got some fulfillment. This kind of, I'm on mission. I'm on purpose. I would submit to you that a lot of times people are empty and not very happy because they, they bought into the world that says life is about you right? So how much more comfort and luxury and goodness I can have by me. And before we know, it's like, this is kind of unsatisfying. I've, I've had it all. I've done it all. And, and, and God, give me something that means something. And when you step into that, then it starts clicking. Hey, this is what God uh, had me to do. I, I think a good example is our veterans out there. So once in a while, I'll hear someone interviewing a military veteran, and they'll hear some of the stories. And some of them got some pretty uh, difficult stories, man. They were in combat, they went to boot camp, and they had to move, and all kinds of different things. And and they went through some tough times. And so they would ask them at the end of these interviews, hey, would you do it all over again? 
you, you suffered some. You had some difficulties. Almost every one of these veterans would say, yeah, I'd do it over again. Even though you suffered and you had, and you had problems? Yeah, why? Because they were on mission. That They had a purpose. They were gathering for the good of mankind, even if it was difficult. That's what, that's what God designed us to be. There are some blessings. I think also we, we realize that a God can do something in us, right? Before you know it, if you're willing to step out, and you're like, God, uh, I don't know how to teach kids. I've never done this before, but, but I'm, I'm willing. Guess what? You're praying more. <laughs> right? You're spending more time with God. It's like, help me, Jesus. I'm, I'm over the top here. I need some help. Uh, you're going to ask me to share my faith. You're going to ask me to lead some cause or something like that. I need your help. Before you know it, you're growing uh, as a Christ follower. And you know, you're, you're more dependent on God and you start getting uh, more insight and, and security and depth in your life. And by the way, when people show up for your, your memorial service, when you have passed, what are they going to say? What, what is your legacy going to be? What did you want your legacy to be? Are they going to show up and say, well, you know, that person, man, they had it all. They had a lot of money, and they got to experience a lot of fun things. Wow. And uh, yeah, yeah, I guess they had a good life, right? Or could you imagine w- walking in and they say, I'm so glad I knew that person. You know, that person was such a blessing. You know, when I was hurting, they, they called me, checked on me. They, they showed up with a plate of cookies. I could always count on them when I showed up to church. There was a smile. There was a handshake. Uh, they gave. They cared. Uh, that person mattered in this life. And they'll remember you because you added value. You, you helped them in their heart and their soul. See, this is what I, this is what I know, that God cares God understands that we live in a broken world. I don't know if you've realized this, but there's a lot of hurting people out there, especially in inner city, uh, around us maybe, people dealing with physical difficulties, financial relationship difficulties, grief, sorrow, right? And God's like, who's willing to step up? Who's willing to answer the call and say, send me? See, God is already working all around us. I mean, he hasn't been sleeping last night. He's still working heavenly. He's just asking people who's going to join him in his mission and in his purpose. See, God is calling. The question is, will we answer? Will we join him with what we have? Maybe we don't have much. Maybe we're just a, a young person, right? I think Atlanta Schultz is like, you know, I, I don't have any degrees. I, I don't have super skills, but I'm willing to go t- down to the inner city of Indianapolis and work with those hurting people. Maybe I can learn something. What a heart. What, what, a, what a prayer to say, send me. But God can use your resources. God can use your experiences. God can use your talents to say, hey, maybe I can be a blessing, partner with God, and help this world. See, this is really the heartbeat of Faithbrook. If you don't know kind of who we are, we have a deep conviction that God planted this on this corner. Thousands of people are, are go past our church. We got hundreds of homes being built around here, and we're not here just for ourselves. We're not here just to have a spiritual Christian club, man. We know people are hurting out there. We know people are drifting from God, and if they don't have that connection in their soul, in their depths, and understand the life-giving truths and principles for the family and their marriage just, man, they're lost. So we're on mission. Our, our great vision here is to help lead people into a new and thriving life in Christ. There's where we're at. And most of the time, it's pretty fulfilling. It's pretty fun. 
And I love people that, that are inspired to do something pretty brave. You know, I think I kind of have a, a, a secret um, appreciation for civil servants, especially frontline people. You know, when there's a crime and there's a problem and here comes the policeman, I'm like, man, don't call me. That's just too scary to me. But they're rushing into the issues. These paramedics are willing to deal with emergencies and ER nurses and doctors and all that intense stuff. I really have appreciation for hospice nurses. Uh, people that go in there, the people are dying. I was like, well, how do you do that? You're willing to, to be used in that uh, uh, marvelous ways? There's parents out there that say, you know, there's kids that don't have parents. We're willing to have our, open up our home to foster caring. There's families that said, we're willing to adopt kids. You're, you're what? Yes, there's, there's kids that you come into our family permanently. We're, we're going to make you. These are courageous people who is saying, hey, I'm willing to say, use me, God. Send me. Help us. So God is calling. We just got to ask, are we willing to answer? Are we answering with that prayer, God, send me? Who will go? Man, a couple of years ago, we had a tragic event in, in Minneapolis, the death of George Floyd, the hand of a, a, a police officer, the knee of a police officer is so tragic. Most of you know that our city pretty much melted down. The whole world was looking at it. It was tragedy, and there's been crime and strife and brokenness all over the place. Um, most of the time, we're like, man, I don't know how we could help them, or should they get helped? And, and we just kind of maybe stay away from, from Minneapolis. And God's heart is broken. There are people who do not know him. There are people that are just damaged, right? Angry and hurt. Who would be the person comfort. Are you willing to go down to North Minneapolis? Ah, I'm good, right? Who will? Well, God started looking. In fact, we as a church started looking. Now, the Faithbrook Church is part of a global movement called the Church of the Nazarene. There's about 2.6 million of us Nazarenes around the world. Faithbrook is just one of 30,000 churches. They're kind of an outpost for the good news of Christ for young people and, and people that need him and, and looking for him. But we didn't have anything down in Minneapolis. And so our kind of our church leaders started praying. Hey, let's be praying. Maybe we can find someone like Isaiah who would be saying, here I am, send me. I will go down. And, and that comfort guy out there in the suburbs, he's not, gonna, he's not qualified, so don't ask him. He's too chicken. All right, but maybe there's someone else. Well, they found someone, and they started talking to some guy of all places in Jamestown, North Dakota, right? To go to North Minneapolis. Now, this guy was not your average North Dakotian guy. This guy knew the streets. His name is Gus Lopez, and he's going to come up here and share a little bit of his story. But Gus grew up in, in Arizona, on the streets of Arizona, he wasn't some little church boy that knew the Bible and did all the right things. In fact, Gus got into gangs and drugs very early. He became a very tough guy um, and did some very bad things before he knew it. By the age of 19, he lands in prison. And there he was, just one of the gang members, just hardcore, right? He didn't care. But someone and a couple of men answered the call and said, send me. I'm willing to go to the prison and speak to some inmates there. So one day, somebody came into that prison, and they were handing out Bibles. 
And Gus was bored, and he didn't, didn't care, but, man, he needed something, anything free. So he said, give me one of those Bibles. And he didn't even know how to open it or where to read. But at least the guy said, well, start in the Gospels, uh, uh, John. And so he's bored. He don't care, but at least he had something to read. So he started reading that little Bible. Later on, he got a call from the, uh, the officers and says, uh, there's some people out here who want to see you. And so here he's this snarky, hardcore guy. He said, well, I want to get out of my jail. It's probably my attorney. He walks out there, and there's a whole bunch of people sitting out there in the waiting room, whatever. He's looking around. He's like, I don't know anybody. And he says, that guy right over there, his name is Jim. He's like, I don't know no Jim, but Jim wants to talk to you if you're willing to talk to him. And so Jim came from one person, one purpose. And that is to, to, to share good news of any of the inmates. And he picked Gus. And Gus sat there and gave him 30 minutes of his time. And, and Jim said, Gus, I believe in you. I love you. Would you allow me to come back the next, uh, next weeks or so? And if we could have this conversation about Jesus. And, and Gus is like, okay, man, I'm bored. This guy sounds kind of cool. I'll give you another shot. And he kept coming back. Eventually, Gus softened his heart. And he believed by faith. And received Jesus Christ. However, the, 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 the gang culture didn't leave him. He was highly involved in the gang inside the prison. And the next thing you know, in prison, it's, it's, it's not like gangs on the street. It's, it's like a higher level. If you're going to survive there, you get, get uh, hooked up. And he got involved with the Mexican mafia who was running the joint and dealing and working drugs all through that time. Well, he, he eventually would go in and out of of the prison life for, for many years, get on the street, try to be clean. But next thing you know, drugs are more profitable, start selling drugs, doing bad things, hardcore, running the joint, right? He was, he was like a neighborhood boss, man. Everything ran through this big bad dude, man. Don't mess with him, right? He's constantly going back to jail. Things are not good, in and out of relationship, etc. Finally, he grows up a little bit. He says, man, I'm, I'm getting too old for this. Uh, even though he still knows kind of Jesus, right? Jesus is still kind of calling him and stuff, and he's battling. So finally, he, he, he comes to his opportunity. He says, there's jobs up in North Dakota, and uh, would you like to have an opportunity to start over up in North Dakota? So he says, hey, I need a job. I'm done with the gangs. I got to get out of here, right? So, so he comes up to North Dakota, right? Gets off the plane. Never Didn't even know where North Dakota was. And he didn't realize how cold it was, right? He gets off the plane, it's raining. All he has is a shirt and some pants and a little thing. Didn't even own a jacket. About froze himself the first week, right? So he lands in this plant, right? And um, he lands in this plant trying to get it together. He drags up his, his girlfriend at the, t the time, right? He, he's not looking for church. He's not looking for Jesus. But Jesus was looking for him, right? And there's a place calling for him. If anybody would say, send me. Well, sure enough, he, he lapses back. He starts selling drugs on the side. His heart is not softened. He's angry still. Next thing you know, boom, boom, boom. He messes up, and he lands in jail and, and prison in North Dakota, and he's got a big problem. And why is this time worse than the others? This is worse now because now I'm a three-time loser. Anybody that knows what a three-time loser is, somebody that's gone into prison three times or more in their life. But this time, the sentence is 25 to life, which means I'm going to do 25 years before I stand in front of the parole board to try and get release, which most of the time is not going to happen. So, so, what, so what happened? So 
As I get into the county jail, the first thing I do for the first time in my life, uh, I knew of Jesus since 1982. But this time, I really want to get to know him. So I start dealing with God, asking him, if you do this for me, I will serve you. Find me the lenient, the, lean, the most lenient sentence you can find for me, and I'll serve you. And I just left it at that. My attorney calls when I come out, out of the cell to speak to him on the phone. And he tells me exactly what I knew. You're facing 25 to life. And they're not, they're not bucking on you. And I said, well, okay. So I went back in, and he comes back like 30 minutes later. They say, well, they're offering three to five if you sign the plea bargain today. It goes with two years probation. So I did like Abraham in Saddam and Gomorrah. I said, well, go ask him if he gives me. Now, <laughs> I'm telling him what to do. So I said, if you tell him, if he gives me work release and two years probation, I'll sign that plea bargain. So I went back to my cell. 30 minutes later, I get called again. And he says, don't know why you want this, but you got your deal. I said, let's sign for it. I said, thank you, God. I'm all in. I'm all in because I knew he did what I asked him. Mm -hmm. From 25 to life to basically a slap on the wrist. So, so he had an Isaiah encounter, said, God, I got to be all in. His heart is broken right there and said, God, if you be lenient to me, I'll, I'll be true to you, right? Meanwhile, back at home, your girlfriend, Esperanza, it runs into somebody. Yes. Uh, my wife, whose name is Esperanza, it means, in English, it means hope. So as you guys can see, I always have hope with me. <laughs> so... She is in, she's out on the streets while I'm still sitting in the county jail. She runs into Pastor Jesus from the Nazarene Church in Jamestown. And she gets together with them and she starts going to church. And I was happy for her. Mm -hmm. So uh, now uh, she gets to meet uh, Pastor's wife, uh, Lupita Molina. And they kind of take care of her while I'm sitting in jail. And then I... I get my sentence and stuff. I'm coming out to work and everything. And uh, there's something called good behavior. And that means if you behave, they kind of release you sooner than you're supposed to get out. So I think it was into my sixth month, they called me in and they said, pack your stuff, you're going home. Mm. And I didn't ask for that six months. Mm. Mm -hmm. But God said, I'm going to give it to you. And I came home. I went back to my, to, we got an apartment. My boss at the time gave me enough money to get an apartment. And he and his wife actually uh, furnished my whole apartment at no cost. They just did it because they felt they wanted to help me. It's he that sent them, not nobody else. <laughs> so his, his boss uh, is the, the owner of this car wash. Gus is on work release and cleaning up his life. God starts transforming your heart, softening your heart, right? He becomes this outstanding worker most of the time, right? And, and, and charming, and God, God's already gifted him, right? And now his, 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 his mentality is being different, uh, except he had some things to still clean up, right? So I, um, I get off my bracelet, and I get 
to to be free and start going to church. So we started going to church together. And I'm still working at the car watch. And I'm still stealing. I still steal because there's candies, there's uh, sodas and gum. And so I'm taking these bags to the church. And I'm giving all the kids and my pastor, my pastor lady, I'm giving her a soda. Her favorite was is Coca-Cola. And so I take a Coca-Cola and a pack of gum every week for the next month or so. But then one day, as I come in, she's sitting there. The first things out of her, first words out of her mouth, she goes, where is my gum and my soda? I lean over and I said, I am not stealing anymore. At that point, I knew that even though I made a deal with God that if he got me out and got me the best deal, I would follow him and do exactly as he said. Something convicted me not to go to prison, but convicted me to not be doing something that was not pleasing to God. And I realized that even though I was doing okay, I gave up smoking, drugs, I gave up drinking, I gave up everything, I still had some overhang. And that was the fact that I was stealing things to take to the church. And God said, no more. And I gave it up. So, so God starts taking things away. It's like, hey, I need to get cleaned up. I'm going to go all the way. Now, they, they get involved with this Nazarene church, the Hispanic work, right? Mm-hmm. And they're like, hey, one of the things you probably need to do is get married uh, to Hope, right? You're gonna, and so they helped you get married. Yes. Right, an official, official way. Then, and then you're getting more involved with the church, and they ask you to be a, a member. Yes. Right? <laughs> you and your wife. Yes. So <laughs> as, I, as soon as I got divorced, because I was married prior to this, as soon as I got divorced and got married, it was like they threw the keys to the car and said, you can drive now. <laughs> and so they said, now would you like to be the children's pastor? <laughs> really? <laughs> Really, you're going to trust an ex-convict, an ex-drug user, an ex-gang member to teach your children. That sits pretty well, you know. But who am I to say no when it comes from God? And then you started getting involved with teaching children, and then you felt like there was a call on your life, right? And they gave you a local, did they give you a local pastor's license? I'm on my second district license. Mm-hmm. I got one more class, mm-hmm. one more class to be ordained. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that should happen in August of this year. What, what's your estimate? How many classes you've taken? 24 classes. 24. 23 together so far. And after this, I plan on going into getting my bachelor's in ministry and then my doctor's in ministry because God has said, I am better than this. So he is growing, evolving the ministry. He says, answering that call. God, I'll, I'll answer this call. I'm, I'm not sure what you can do with an ex-con. I got a lot of stripes and marks against me, but I'm willing to teach the kids, right? And, uh, and just be available, right? Meanwhile, we got the disaster in Minnesota. We, we were praying who could be our leader, who could be, who'd be willing to go down to Minneapolis and start a work of Christ at the Church of Nazarene. And, and one day, the phone calls. I get a phone call from Kansas at the time. He now lives in Miami. 
But this guy's name is Mark Bain. He is the director for the church planting, I think, Canada and United States and probably other countries as well. And he's very high up, I say. That's the way I see him. And he calls me and he asks me, we were wondering if you're inter- you would be interested in coming to Minneapolis. He didn't say where. He just said Minneapolis to plant a church. Okay. I know nothing about planting churches. <laughs> okay. So you were saying earlier, God calls. And qualifies. I'm not qualified. I'm not worthy. Mm-hmm. So uh, he calls me, and then he says, would you mind going in a Zoom meeting? And then he gets our leader, Steve Hoffman, uh, Dan Bratter, and himself, and all three of them are talking to me. And all I can do is cry, guys. All I can do is cry because here I am, a nobody. Here I am, somebody that the world looked down on me because that's the way I felt. And rightfully so. I heard so many people when I was in my world, in my gangs, doing what I did best, selling drugs to anybody, kids, whoever came in my way with money, I sold them drugs. And so with that in mind, for them to come up to me and say, you're like way up here. There's 200 and some, 2.8 million, 2.87 million Nazarenes, and he chose me. Something's wrong with this picture. <laughs> so that we see something in you. We've been praying. Would you think about moving to Minneapolis and starting a work? Yes. And so I said yes right away. Because who am I to say no? Uh, After speaking to Pastor Hoffman, we came to Minneapolis to walk the land. And he advised me or he talked to me about the fact that he had special interest in North Minneapolis. He grew up in North Minneapolis. And he did his first service, his first preaching service in North Minneapolis. Things have changed, as as you all know. In Minneapolis, it's a very, very terrible place to mm-hmm. be at. Tough place. Nobody Tough wants place. to walk in those places. Mm-hmm. My wife walks in there with me, and she is, you sure? You sure? Uh, I'm not sure, but God is. And whatever God tells me to do, that's where I'm going. Mm-hmm. I'm going to follow God mm-hmm. because I follow the wrong things in the past. Mm-hmm. So you said that prayer, God, here I am. Yes. Send me. And for the last uh, eight months, they've been in and out in Minneapolis, just walking the streets, praying, looking around. And of course, when you step over the line and say, God, use me, and God's like, hey, you need to go here. A lot of times we need confirmation. (laughs) We're like, okay, are we sure this is God's will, right? And um, so Gus was praying. In fact, uh, he had a stint with COVID in June, almost took his life. I mean, he's up against it, right? And here he's got this call, and these people are like, you're going to be the pastor. He's like, I'm about to die. Are you kidding me? God, you got to make it real. you got to make it sure. And, 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 uh, and the next day, uh, while he's in the hospital, he gets these phone calls. And in these phone calls, what do they say to you? I sat in the hospital for a week because of COVID. After I got my vaccine, you're not supposed to get COVID, by the way. But you still, I still did. Um, while my wife is waiting for me to be released that day, 
Uh, I'm not told that I'm staying at the hospital yet, but she's waiting outside in the parking lot because I'm a COVID patient. And so nobody can come in. And so as she is waiting outside, I start to uh, cry and I call uh, my, 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 one of my, my teacher's wife and I, I ask her, please don't leave my wife alone. And I started to want to cry again. I just hung up. I hung up because I had to talk to God. I had to ask God if he brought me out of, out of darkness and out of all the misery that I was living in to take my life and not use me. Now, I know you didn't teach me and got me out of all this and not use me as I've been asking you to use me. I need an answer. I need to know if this man here is the man that's supposed to walk into that land of North Minneapolis and do your work. And if it's not me, you need to let me know. Give me a sign. Do something. And for the next week, I prayed and I prayed and I prayed because I couldn't sleep. That medication kept me up. Good thing because I wanted to pray. So it was like my prayer retreat, and I used it. I utilized, to the, I utilized this to the fullest, nonstop, nonstop. And every time a nurse came in, they paid for it because they were going to listen to Jesus because I preached to every person that walked through that door. It didn't matter who it was. And I realized that Jesus wanted me to talk to all these people, and he was teaching me to open my mouth even more and more. Guys, I, I don't know how to pray. I don't know how to pray. But I learned over the course of the time that as long as you open your mouth, God knows what you're saying. It doesn't matter if you're mimicking things, whatever, or just crying and nobody understands you. He does. So you got a phone call. So on Monday morning, it's time for me to wait for the doctor. This is Monday after the whole week I've been there. And I get a call from a pastor, Mark Bain. And he's wanting all my information because they're trying to get us to Florida. I'm not even done with COVID yet, but they want to take us to Florida to do this special class that we need to take. So they can teach me some things as far as this forming of churches mm -hmm. goes. Mm -hmm. And so I said, okay. He doesn't say nothing. And the nurse, I asked the nurse, so what's going on? I said, well, when the doctor gets done doing her round, she's got to do back, backwards because I got COVID. So I'm going to be the last patient she's going to come and see. It doesn't work that way. I'm the first one she sees, and she tells me, we can't do nothing for you no more. Thank you, God. I'm healed. I got mm -hmm, no more COVID, mm -hmm. and I can go home now. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. My hotel stay is over. Whatever they pay for is done. But now I go and I call Pastor Dembrader, and as I'm talking to him. He says, now we need to get you set up for this accounts, this accounts, and this accounts. And I'm like, okay. He says, by the way, you be named the person. You be named the pastor for North Minneapolis. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Lord. Mm -hmm. Confirmation number one. Mm -hmm. And then I get out and I'm walking to go get air conditioner, actually at Walmart, and I call Steve Hoffman. Our and our district superintendent. Yeah. 
And as I'm talking to him, he confirms that, yes, he's named me the pastor for North Minneapolis. And then I called them, uh, uh, Mark Bain again, and he says, oh, yeah, I forgot to tell you. <laughs> That's three confirmations in one day. That told me that Jesus, that God wanted me to be the one, and he was letting me know three times. <laughs> but he was not done. Right here on this other end, there's a little man called, his name is Pablo Contreras. And the same day, I received a test from here. I met this young man in November of last year. I didn't get a call from Mark Bain until December of last year. And so Pablo sends me this message. And the first thing that he says on there, it says, um, I was wondering when you are coming to Minneapolis, because I would like to be part of that ministry. And I am willing to stand on the corners, on the streets. I'm willing to pass out flyers. I'm willing to do everything I need to do. And I can help play some music. Because that young man can play almost every instrument. If you guys notice, he is blind. He does everything by faith. Who am I not to do everything by faith? If God says go, just like he told Abraham, I'm going to go. I'm all in. He said, I'm, I'm willing. He said that prayer, send me, God. I'm willing. And God started, are starting to put things together. So their plan is in March to be down in North Minneapolis full time, right? He's trying to collect his team. They, they don't hardly know anybody. They hardly have any resources. We, we're going to be uh, loving and praying and helping them. Maybe you have some resources, know people downtown that could help them. They're going to have to find a place to stay. They're going to have to find a team together. God's already starting their little team. But I wanted to invite him to come today to, to give you a live example. Here was a person who was willing to say that dangerous prayer. Uh, a person that was the last person that God should pick, right? The ex-con, the gangbanger, the hardened criminal, and yet God softens heart. You know the thing about, about Gus now? He, he says, I can't, ha heart, I can't hardly stop crying. I'm a cry baby now. You know why that is, my friends? Because God redeemed his heart and made it whole that it's soft. It used to be hard. It was all about him. It was always about the streets. But God so forgave him and softened the hard heart until now he's a soft heart. So now he's a cry baby, amen, because you have the heart of God, amen. And he's going to take that heart of God into Minneapolis. And we want to pray for him and his wife and his team. But And I'm going to ask them to just come forward right here. And we're going to pray to, for him as a, as a congregation, and then you're going to be dismissed uh, but before, as they come. I just want to challenge you this week. If you would have the courage uh, to say that prayer, God, send me. Here I am. It, it might not be into ministry. It might be not be something super big, but maybe it's a small thing. Maybe it's to my neighbor. Maybe it's volunteering. Maybe it's somewhere where you can be the voice of God, because God can do the amazing in you and through you. So why don't you stand with us, and uh, we're going to pray over the Lopez's and this new start. If you just send your prayers this way, then I'm, I'm going to have us all look at the screen here. Because here's the promise of God. The promise of God written by the Apostle Paul. If we are willing to say, God, here I am. If I need cleansing, if I need an encounter, do it. 
but send me. Here's God's promise. Now to him who is able to do amazingly more than all we ask or imagine according to the power that is at work within you. The power of God is working in the low passes and, and Gus, uh, God is going to do immeasurably more than what you could think. And to him be the glory in the church and Christ Jesus throughout not your generation, not just your kids' generation, but your grandkids' generations forever and ever. Heavenly Father, we just pray the blessings of your power over this, this team, this small little team. And all they got, God, is a dream. All they got is a little vision. They're willing to, God, to run to the chaos. They're willing to, to run to a place that most people are not willing to run. But God, you have uh, watched Gus all his life and you realize that he has the giftedness. He has the experience. He hardly has no fear, God, because he's been there. He knows the streets. He knows the language, God. He knows how people think, God, down in those areas. So, God, so we just pray as a Faithbrook congregation, blessings and protections and provision, God, and empowerment, God, to do your work. God, we look forward to having him back in two or three years and say, God, Lord, see how he, he provided. See what's happening. These two, three hundred people now showing up on Sundays in the, in the heart of Minneapolis, uh, people that are maybe needy and people that have been broken and damaged, God. But God, your redeeming uh, can change them just like you changed uh, Gus, God. You, you are the, the person from the graves to the gardens, God. You can do all things. So we just pray this, God, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Bless them now in your name. Amen. 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 Well, God bless. Thanks for coming today. Have a great week. Let's be courageous. You're dismissed.